Good evening and welcome to Dragon's Cast. Uh, we got a, a great show in front of us today. Uh, we've got uh, Anthony. How are you tonight? Doing well. That's good to hear. Um, after watching that game, I'm impressed by that. Bill brings a bad attitude to the podcast, I'm told. Bill, how are you doing? Yeah, after that game, I'm not feeling that great. <laughs> I'm not expecting a win, but that wasn't pretty. Appropriate response. Expected and anticipated response. We appreciate that. Leon, how are you doing? Doing good, doing good. I'm only looking at two wins. I don't even consider the, the Monday game. I don't even I don't even count this as a real game, Bill. Forget about it. Yeah, that's a great point. I think Monday games should be just excluded. That, that's that's phenomenal work by you. All right. Uh, there's a lot to cover this week. As noted, we do have three games on the men's side. We have two on the women's. There's a new flow contract in town. I'm just going to get out in front of that one and say um, there's a lot to talk about there. Eight figures for the league over four years is is a bit more money than, than we've seen in the past. So um, there's there's a lot to consider there, and, and uh, I'm not going to be as sour on it as I've been in the past. That's what I will tell you at that price point. But uh, I think there's a good segment to it. We're not going to cover it today because it's just too much ground uh, with everything else we've got going on. We're trying to keep this to a tight six to seven hours. Um, now we do have we do have some hoops to talk about. We'll get through the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll go around the league real quick because there were some fun results tonight, and um, and then we've got some previews going forward. To, what's going on as we start the season wrap-up. We're in mid-February, guys. We've only got a couple more weeks to go before we descend on D.C. Um, and, and here's a little nugget. I'm told that if you like D.C., you may uh, you may like the future of the CA tournament for the next few years. So um, the contract for the current location is up this year, and we are to be announced on where the next location will be. Um, all right, so let's start talking about the men. Um, we uh, I'm glad... I think, Leon, you reminded me of this before the pod. We were talking last week about do they get to 10 wins? Um, and a 2-1 and one week gets most of the way there. They're now at 9-6 and six in, the, in our 18-game schedule. Um, and, and kind of an impressive week. They pick up a win on the road, Anthony, at Delaware. Um, then they come back home. They beat an impressive, what I thought was an impressive Towson team before they went to Lake Mary and lost. Um, and then they uh, we, we, we kind of went into a, a no-win situation tonight. In Hofstra, uh, the big story, of course, injuries to uh, both point guards, to Justin Moore and Jamie Versions. Um, that's a problem. That is a problem. So that that let us unveil a new project, though, Bill. Have you liked what you've seen from the Yame Butler project? I mean, I, I've been demanding more Yame minutes this uh, for a while now. I think since when I went up to that Seton Hall game, and it seemed like no one showed up except Yame for the few minutes that he, that he got in there. So I've been hoping to see a little bit more of him. I, I didn't want to see this project happen with him running point guard because our two other point guards went down. That wasn't, wasn't how I envisioned it quite, but I, <laughs> but you know, I mean, he's in, he's providing valuable minutes. I mean, even tonight's game, which is a little, not his best effort. He still, you know, put up some points, but he was essential in the two wins um, for sure. I mean, he, he came out and produced uh, immediately pretty much. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll continue to see him more, even when, you know, hopefully we get Justin Moore back soon. Yeah, a lot of guys stepped up this week. I thought Lamar Odin had, I think, one of the best weeks of his career. I, I think he really, um, there's no way, I, he had an answer. It felt like a big play every time Towson came knocking um, in that game, whether it was the offensive boards, put back, three, you know. Um, he's he's kind of, I felt like, especially because in that game, Coltrane Washington was out due to suspension. Um and, uh, you know, I'll just get this off my chest now. Dude, you're a, a 
fifth, sixth year senior on a team that's really we've never heard of, you know, play, player suspensions in a, while, in a long time, in a lot of years for, for disciplinary reasons. And um, to have that from your captain, uh, you, you got to do better. You gotta, I don't know what the issue was, you know, but um, I, I it's really disappointing. Really, really disappointing. He hasn't particularly played great on the, on the court, um, but as a leader in, in the clubhouse type of thing, um, I was bummed to read that. I was really, really, um, really disappointed to see that. He comes back, he has... It's not a game against um, Hofstra tonight, but to be the shorthand of the two-point guards and then have, have that happen from your captain, um, I thought it put – what it did is it – and you know the coaches had to go to Lamar Odom and say, Lamar, like, you're the, you're the veteran anchor. Like, you're the veteran guard. This is, this is your chance to step up. It really looked like he had that conversation, and he believed in it, and he, he took his opportunity. Uh, is that – Anthony, you kind of get that vibe as well? I did. Um Definitely, uh, especially against Towson. I mean, he was our leading scorer, had a double-double. Um, definitely seemed to take it to heart. I mean, it was a team effort for sure uh, in that Towson game. Um, but, yeah, tough spot with uh, Coltrane missing that game on top of both point guards. But, uh, yeah, I definitely think uh, Lamar had a, a, a pretty solid week uh, overall. Yeah, I, mean, I think Lamar was just more aggressive, especially in the last two games. Like when his shots not falling, you know, he took it upon himself to you know, influence the game in other ways. Attacking the hoop, he threw down a couple dunks, grabbing boards, and I use uh, extremely valuable in those two games. I mean, hopefully he can just continue to produce at this level um, going forward for the rest of the season. I mean, I think it's been like up and down with him. Like we see like. You know, he'll have 19 one game, and the next game he'll have three. Uh, I mean, it would just be nice if we can get you know, 10 or 11 out of him uh, <laughs> consistently, um, somewhere in that range. But I really like what he did, um, even even in the game tonight. You know, he he played hard. It didn't have a huge game, but he, he contributed. Lamar's, uh, I don't know, very hot and cold guy so far, but it was nice to see him in a different role a little bit and kind of being a little more consistent. Now, he... He was definitely more consistent in the last two games. His game against uh, Delaware wasn't particularly great, but at least in these last two games, it was good. And I got to give props to, you know, the coaching staff a little bit over here where I'm assuming they knew Bergens and Justin Moore were out already even they just and still had to suspend Colton. They kind of held to their principle there, whatever whatever the reason may be, uh, you know, to kind of go into a team like Towson, which, you know, is fourth right now or a game behind. I think after tonight's games, uh, so it, it's you know they stuck to it, and it seemed like we had a very unique, unique game at Townsend. It's not what I expected to see. It was a very different Drexel team, uh, in in a sense. But you know we were able to get out of there with a win, which was huge. So it was it was nice to see that, despite our, you know, the game before that at Delaware, which we tried as best as we could to lose, but still won, fortunately. The one thing I see with Lamar that I think really shows his energy, you know, first nine conference games since the new year, he only had more than five rebounds once in a game, five or more, I guess. I didn't even get to five. And that was six in that Northeastern game where Northeastern didn't show up, right? So really he wasn't a, a significant rebounder for us. Last four games, uh, eight against Monmouth, six against Delaware, 12 against Towson, and it was um, eight tonight against Hofstra. Much more active. Much, much more active, and and that's a that's a big deal. It makes the team look tougher. 
it, it provides something else. I mean, he's just flying around a little bit more. Um, really, really like to see. Sometimes the numbers tell the story a little bit, and I think that one shows it. And you need that out of him too. 100%. He's your four. You definitely need it out of him because, you know, Amari is great, uh, but Amari is great. I mean, especially on the um, on the defensive end, uh, but he is oftentimes going for the block. He's going for the rejection. So uh, if he's doing that, he's not going to be in rebounding position. So somebody needs to take that mantle. And, you know, of the guys out there, Lamar is best suited to do that. Uh, so, uh, it's definitely, um, it's definitely been, been great for him to be stepping up in that way. It's, it's a big boost to the team. I'm trying to find this great website I've been playing around with. Um, I think I'm late to the game on this one, but it's cbbanalytics.com and it's got individual player stats and breakdowns and on the court, off the court stuff. And, um, I, I will try to find it, um, and maybe attach it in a tweet or something else, but, uh, essentially we're, we're a better rebounding team with Garfield on the court than Amari. Certainly, we're the best, and they're both out there. But Anthony, I think that is exactly the point. It's not because Amari's or Garfield's necessarily a better rebounder than Amari. It's just because Amari's going for the block. Garfield plays more traditional five, right? So um, he's, he's more likely to be underneath the basket on offense. Hello, um, but he's also in position on defense for a rebound because he's, he's not um, the prolific shot blocker that Amari is. It doesn't. I mean, one's better or worse. I don't know that you want to be a better rebounding team, but a worse shot blocking team, right? I mean, we're probably a much better defensive team with Amari on there, but we're more likely to, to, to get the miss when, when Garfield's out there. That makes sense. It's where playing them both at the same time gets really interesting um, because you can kind of get the best of both worlds um, while losing some mobility. I feel like that takes us almost to like an old school bruiser lineup, those two guys in. I, I, actually, I feel like somehow Spiker has like evolved more into bruiser than... <laughs> And he was when we first got here. Like we're more of a slow it down defensive team um, than we were prior. Um, then the offense is real ugly. Like where Spiker first came in, we were, you know, kind of scoring, but the defense was so bad that it it, it didn't matter. It's just interesting to see this type of shift um, over the last couple of years. Yeah, it didn't surprise me to see the, the two big lineup a little bit more against Towson. I mean, they played that when everybody was healthy early in the year. When they played Towson the first time, they played the two big. They just Towson's a type of team. It's, it's an old-school Bruiser team. So that matchup works out a little bit better for you. You're not going to play that against Hofstra, and they didn't, where Hofstra would run you at the building if you if you were that slow on the court. Um, it shows some flexibility and versatility from the staff, which I like. Um, as far as you know, the other guy that you'd like to see on the court, Bill, I mean, I, I get if, if you're trying to – there's an argument. Devil's advocate, advocate for a second. There's an argument. It says we have a point guard who's really struggling to get his footing here at the NCAA level. He's, he's, we're really trying to develop him. He's having some issues. Do we want to put a turnover-prone, kind of chaotic two-guard next to him, right, uh, versus you know a veteran like Coltrane off his, off his arm, right? Um, now, we're at the point of the season right now where, A, I think Justin's turned the corner, assuming he comes back and is healthy, uh, and, B, it's evident, it's just kind of evident, you need somebody who can – you know, do something off the dribble next to him. So I hope, I hope, yeah, May is, is the two when, when Justin's back, um, or at least gets significant minutes there. Um, but I, I, I can get the argument at the very least um, that you're making maybe the team, the offense look much tighter, but you're making it easier on the point guard for that first half of the year. I mean, Yame is definitely a little erratic out there. He's, he's driving, he's 
whipping passes around. He's, he's all over the place. But, I mean, I think it, it helps the team. I, I just the thing that really throws me off about him not playing is just sometimes that the offense is just really struggling. And I think Spiker knows he has a guy on the bench who's like instant offense or at least instant something. And not even bringing him on just to give a spark occasionally is just strange to me. Um, it, it's not like we have – you know, three guards who are just consistently producing like Hofstra has, you know, like it's not like the, uh, are, are just so loaded a guard that it's hard to get him on. I mean, we have guys who don't produce every game and are, are struggling some games and he just still couldn't get on the floor. It's, it's just, it's just strange. Like not even sniff the court. There was a game where we were up 30 and I think he played four minutes. So I, I don't know. It's just very strange. And the other thing about, you know, Yame being erratic. I also, in his defense, he's been playing out of position the last two games. He's not a point guard at all. I mean, he turned it over against Towson seven times. Uh, I mean, he was still very crucial to us winning that game. But, you know, it's kind of the the good and the bad with him when he's running the point. He turned it over another four times um, tonight. Uh, But in the game against Delaware, where... Jamie did play, so he wasn't necessarily running the point the whole time until maybe Jamie got hurt. He didn't turn it over once. Now, granted, it was in fewer minutes, but, you know, I'm not sure that if he's playing his natural position with a point guard, he's going to be wildly erratic and throwing the ball away as much as he has in the last two games where he's been playing a position that he should not be playing, and he's only playing it out of necessity. No, yeah, I think that makes sense, Anthony, yeah. But it's it, again going back to also Bill's point on when we all kind of like the Jamie Bergens and Justin Moore lineup. We had those two players out there, two players that could get a shot. And it's kind of crazy to me that all this time we had maybe a better complementary player, better complementary player than uh, Jamie for Justin and Yame that we didn't put in there. So again, you know, there's probably reasons that we, we don't know. Maybe it was just a delayed thing. Uh, but I'm glad he's getting some minutes now. And uh, even though he didn't have the greatest game today or the best game today, but you know, I, I still like what I'm seeing from Yami Butler so far, for sure. I, I think at this point, you know, we're going to see more of them because it seems like Jamie's out for the season, unfortunately. Um, and, and Justin's not going to be able to play 40 minutes when he comes back. So you'd think that he's going to get more run than he had in the past, whether he gets as much as he has the last two games with both guys out remains to be seen. I don't necessarily think it needs to be one extreme or the other, but it should definitely be more than 16, in my opinion, uh, when, you know, there are other guys on the team that are the epitome of the hot and cold. Maybe not necessarily Lamar, just because, like we were talking about, he was providing a little bit more uh, w- with the rebounding and things like that. But when we're talking about Coltrane, Luke House, Mate, um those guys do not all need to be playing 30 plus minutes to Yame 16. I mean, that, that does not need to be the way that goes, even with Jamie back. Let Yame cook. Uh, I'm, I'm all about it. So yeah, a couple things. One. Yeah. I, I certainly, he, he needs to play the two. He needs to not play the one, but uh, I want to give Jamie Bergens some props before, you know, it does seem like, um, you know, it was non-contact knee injury from looks of it to me, which usually spells a lot of trouble um, in the long run. Although, the last guy I remember Drexel having that uh, was playing pretty well in the NBA right now. I think it was his foot, Dan. Was it, it was his foot? I think so. I mean, I saw it looked like his foot was casted 
on, on Saturday when he was on the crutches against Towson. So I, I think it's his foot or ankle. I'll do some digging there. Um, but yeah, um, you know, either way, I, I guess my point there was that he was very good against Delaware both times he played them. I mean, he'd really come around. I think he's a plus plus defensive player for us and provided some, some movement on the offensive end when we got stagnant. So it's a big loss for us. Uh, not only that, you, you obviously lost the backup to Jamie, assuming Jamie's back, or to um, Justin. Thank you to Justin, assuming Justin's back soon. I can't do it. I can never do that all, all year long. It's been great for me. Um, can, you, can we get somebody who's not a J at point guard spot, please, so I can just have some dispersion here? Um, but, um, you know, yeah, it was. It's, so it's a big loss. I, I was looking, the Delaware game was unique, right? Because with Jared Davis not playing, uh, a Delaware, who already kind of sucked, became really, really bad. Um, I think in, in football, when I watch football, sometimes you know those like those guys who are your number two corners on the team, and you've got a team with a really good secondary, and it was like, oh, this number two corner could be a number one somewhere else, and then they go and become a number one somewhere else, and like, oh, he was really good because he was playing on number two number two receivers. You know, I, I feel like um, there's a little bit of that here with Jameer Nelson Jr. Um, like Jameer with Davis on the court. You know, as an all-league player, without him, he looked pretty ordinary. And I want to give credit because it was it was Coltrane and Jamie who were who were defending him. I actually went back and watched that, and and it was those two all, all game long, and primarily Coltrane um, who did a really nice job on him. But I mean, really unimpressive game from him. Um, I think it was 15 points on 15 shots and five turnovers. So um, you know, that's their star. You do that to him, nobody else in Delaware. I mean, honestly, it looks like they've ever seen a basketball. So. It wasn't, wasn't you know, it was a road win. It was a road win against a very, very bad team. And Delaware, they really, they could that game that loss could put them in the twelve thirteen game. Like they could realistically be coming from picked five by us in the preseason, and I think by most people, to in the play-in game, um, in a two two man play-in game as Mammoth and Elon continue to surge, and the folks at Delaware continue to get worried. Um, so thrilled to watch that. Couldn't happen to a better team, but um, yeah, they're gonna need to get. To get Jair back because because Jameer's been exposed a little bit and they just don't have anybody else. I mean, it's a bad roster. Um, so it was nice to get a win on the road, but again, you were kind of beating the little sisters of the poor on the road. Uh, having said that, Yame, 17 points in 16 minutes. That was the story of that game. And it was huge, and um, it was largely at the two, obviously. Big difference. He, um, it's worth noting, he didn't have a turnover in those 16 minutes. Zero. You know, he's just, he's not the point guard. I, when they, they had Amari bringing the ball up a little bit in these two games. I don't even mind that. You know, because the big man who's guarding Amari is not going to come pick him up full court. So you kind of get yourself a pass to get the ball up at least, and then you can start your offense. Whereas whoever's guarding Yame is probably going to pick him up 90 feet and, and give yourself a hard time, and maybe they'll trap every once in a while. So it's, it's an idea. It's outside the box. I kind of liked it. Um, but, yeah, you, you pick off that game. You, you surprised Towson. Um, I liked it. I, I've said these coaching staffs aren't going to make changes until they're forced to do it, until they're uncomfortable. Um, well, take away both our point guards and then take away your captain. You, you start you start having to figure something out on the fly. And I was like, I saw that lineup come out with the two bigs and everything else. And I was like, all right, all right, I can dig this. Like, let's let's play. Let's go out and have some fun. And um, and they did. And then they did. They held on. But coming into this Hofstra game, um, two things happen when you lose guys. One is usually that first game. I think this is an Allen Boston pull from back in the day, but usually that first game where somebody's injured, the rest of the team steps up. Like it's a big, like let's all pull together, let's overcome this spot. And then then in game two, you kind of figure out who they really are. Um, 
Two, nobody's going to go into to Long Island without a point guard against those guards and be successful. It's just not going to happen. So I actually, I look at tonight's game and I go, I thought it was going to be much worse. They Drexel beat them up on the boards. They got to the foul line a lot more. Um, the shots weren't really falling for either team. I think Hofstra ends up finishing with like 33% from three, which is not great for them. It's about average. Uh, it's below average for them, I should say. Um, but we shot nothing from three. Um, so, you know, we went in there, we shot like crap. We didn't have a point guard, and it was still not a total blowout. Um, I don't feel terrible about this. I feel like we get James, we, we, <laughs> we get Justin back, and uh, somebody, you know, my, my cat will start meowing any time now just to complete the cycle here. But, um, yeah, we get Justin back, and, and we can have a competitive ball club with, with a team that I think is the best one in the league right now, potentially, after either. They've got the guards for the postseason. I think they've got better guards than Charleston does. Complete team, I don't know. They're pretty weak inside, but I think um, postseason you want guards, man. You want guards, and they've got them. So um, we flip this around and say, I'm, I'm optimistic after this 2 of 3. Not only are we going to get to 10 wins, which I was really concerned about last week, but I'm, I'm optimistic, and I just think that if you get a line out there, which is Justin, Yame, insert a shooter, Coltrane, Akros, whomever, um, this kind of reinvigorated Lamar Odin and, and Amari. That's a pretty good line. And and what I would do um, if I was a, smarter than I am, if I was a coach, is I would staple Yame to Amari. And here's why I would do it. It's because if you're worried about Yame's defense, Amari's going to cover up a lot of those flaws. Guys can get by him, and it's okay because you got the big man back there. It's not the case when you've got Garfield Turner. Plus... When you when you pull both those guys out, you send Garfield Turner under the basket. No longer there's no longer the big man up top. You can play more inside out ball. You can you know you can use that shooters lineup that we're traditionally used to here at Drexel and the Spiker. So I think and you get two really different looks on the court for opposing defenses when you sub those guys in and out if you do package them. So that's that's kind of crazy thought that I had today, but I, I think this lineup works. Like it's it's an exciting lineup. I think also something that is big is that, I mean, especially with Justin not playing uh, at the moment, having Yame and Amari out of the game at the same time, there's just nothing in terms of creation of offense. I mean, Amari can create offense under the basket. You know, he can start posting up from the high post. Yame obviously can create on his own, but without Justin out there, if, if, if he's not going to be there and now Jamie's hurt, those three players, one of those three needs to be in the game at all times because otherwise we have Garfield Turner, who is really, he's a garbage man, right? He's going to clean up glass. He's going to, you know, take layups that are open to him. I mean, that's his offensive game Um, and hopefully hit his free throws, which unfortunately he didn't do too well tonight. Uh, But otherwise who's creating on offense? You have a bunch of shooters that don't, you know, (laughs) we need Yame, Amari, and Justin. One of those three needs to be on the court at all times, and preferably two of the three at all times, in my opinion. No, I mean, I, I would agree with that too. You need playmakers out there. You can't just have a bunch of guys who are shooting jump shots. Um, and that's what we have at times. Uh, especially there's certain lineups with like, even like Kobe in there, like Kobe, Garfield Turner, Luke House, Okros, and uh, 
maybe Odin. I, I don't know what that lineup is. Like, there's just nothing there. It's just not, you're not getting any type of creation. Um, and, and the offense goes really stagnant when, that, when those type of uh, lineups happen. So, yeah, I mean, y- Yame hopefully will continue to get more minutes when, when Justin's back. I Like Dan said, I really hope he's in the starting lineup still. You might play a little bit more cautiously because you need him as a as a as a point guard then. So maybe he, uh, you know, comes off the bench, um, which is probably what I like. Likely what I think will happen, just because I don't know. It doesn't seem like Spiker likes playing him less. Absolutely necessary. Um, but yeah, you you need guys in there who can create. You can't just have a bunch of shooters. It, it makes no sense. At least when like you're right. When Amari's out there, at least he can create, hit hit cutters, hit open guys. Although he's been turning the ball over way too much last couple games i don't know how many he had tonight it must have been like seven um yeah like amari is great but one thing has not changed about amari all year is that he still takes way too many shots from way too far away from the basket he still doesn't power himself closer to the basket somehow he settles for those shots and he's still way too many steps away from the basket and he is not as consistent as i'd like him to be for that shot to be something that he settles for. When I know he's strong enough to get in there, you know? So, again, yeah, I hope Yami is not coming off the bench <laughs> once Justin's back. I hope he starts, but I wouldn't you know, put it past the fact that that's, that's what's going to happen. But expect, you know, he, he should also probably in his... Uh, you can tell he's been practicing because he's, he's our best free throw shooter right now. Like, I know he's only played a few games, but his he's been... He's been he's been amazing from the free throw line. He should run a class for the rest of the gang over there. But uh, I, I, the lineup that Dan mentioned, I think, could be a very you know it, it sounds amazing to me if, if if they're you know firing on all cylinders. Now Lamar, Odin, I'll you know every time you talk him up, he seems to disappear. So uh, I'm a little worried about that again. But uh, we'll see how that goes. But I want I would definitely want to see more Yami. I think that's not news to anyone at this point. But uh, and uh, hopefully Justin comes back and he's he's all good. I don't know if you guys do you guys have any more details on what's the deal with Justin? Upper body injury, I think, is what they're reporting. But um, okay. I'm hearing hearing coming back soon. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. They're, they're we could sure be, we definitely need him. <laughs> we need him. We need a good point guard. Yeah, yeah. Towson was kind of the perfect team to place if you don't have a point guard because they don't have one either, and they they kind of don't play that type. You know, Hofstra was the opposite. Hofstra was just going to be a problem if you don't have one. So. Um, but no, I think Leon, you talked about something that we were talking about a little bit off the air with um, the difference in free throw shooting between the Towson game and the Hofstra game, and it was entirely in who went to the line, in my opinion. Right. Um, so the bigs, the bigs went to the line and kind of disappointed tonight. Um, and Amari and, and Garfield, I think, had 18 of the 27 free throws that the team took, whereas in the uh, the Towson game, it was mostly your guards. And um, when I look at the free throw shooting. Luke House is a career now, 87% free throw shooter. That's elite. Um, you have Yamei, who's 19 of 20, 95%. That will play um, in most places that you go to. Uh, Justin Moore is going to have to be on the floor in any kind of free throw shooting situation anyway, but he's at least 71% in conference play. Um, so that's gotten a lot better since out of conference. Um, and then... You have, who am I missing? It's uh, the guy we never talk about, uh, Mate, who, who is career 78%. Those four guys need to be out there in close and late situations. Those two guys need to be out there in one-on-one situations. Like Those need to be your guards 
hoop play when foul when you know when foul shooting is, is most important. Um, and it, you know, it's not like Coltrane's a bad free throw shooter, but he's not the class that those guys are. Uh, neither is Lamar. So those are your guards. Put them on the like that. There's no reason, no reason, especially close and late, that those guys aren't aren't on the floor on offense. So that that's where I, I would really feel if. You know, beginning of the year, we had free throw shooting opportunities, and my Yami wasn't out there. That needs to be better. That just needs to be a better use of personnel there, in my opinion. I think that's that's one where I'd say it's malpractice if they don't um, kind of fall in on that one. Props to Luke House specifically on the free throws. He iced that Towson game on Saturday, um, which was huge. Um, I, I, I'm going to speak to the student turnout. I was very disappointed. Um with the student turnout on Saturday um, for a big game, uh, for sure. Uh, it was very sparse for a Saturday afternoon. Um, you know, no finals for a month. Uh, the weather wasn't bad. Uh, I'm not really sure what the excuse was, but I dare say, you know, I was worried that we were going to either lose that game or certainly lose it in overtime because I, I thought with a, with a decent crowd, we would have won that game in regulation. Uh, but um, luckily we were able to pull it out, but um, it, it just seemed like a, a no-show on the crowd. Uh, and as an alternative to that, we had a couple alums who were fairly vocal in our section, Section 8, that got into the head of Nicholas Timberlake. Um, and it directly resulted in him committing a charge at the end of the game that effectively iced the game. Um, and that was two guys in, in the alumni section. Uh, what can a, a, a crowd of 500 students heckling do? Um, so, I mean, that, that, that's just a small example. Um, speaking of Timberlake, he, he, uh, he, he, he seemed like a, quite the class act there, uh, you know, hurling expletives at us and then throwing the ball into the stands at the end of the game. That was, uh, that was pretty, pretty classy of him. I digress. Yeah. I held uh, him in pretty high regard. He would probably be my first team off CAA. Um, but like that was soft, man. Like I didn't even think the heckling was that good <laughs> to be honest with you. Like I, it was league average heckling and it was nothing that was over the line. And for a player to make eye can't with somebody pointed at him and say, you know, an expletive, you know, F you right at his face. I was like, that's that's pretty soft, man. Throwing the ball into the student section at the end of the game, I thought was also kind of, um, I, I think the word, the technical term is chicken shit. So, I mean, it is it is what it is, but I was I was surprised and, and not at all impressed. I agree with you there. That's, yeah, that's going to segue us uh, just going out here. Kind of a big game coming up. Uh, the, the, the last note I had on the Hofstra game tonight was, uh, Amari didn't play down the stretch. Anybody, it was sneaky. It was sneaky, but he didn't put Amari back in. Uh, he kept some of the other starters in, um, but I think that was telling to me. It was it was a little bit of a white flag. It was a little bit of a, we know we have a big game coming up. So Thursday in the deck, first of all, the winning streak in the line. I, I knock on all the wood, but, you know, men and women in CA play this year, I don't even want to say it, but at home it's been good. Um, so, you know, uh, that's on the line as we go in and face UNCW here. Um, in a big, big game. UNCW is battling us out. And, um, you never want to say Drexel's going to go, if they win that game, go to Hampton and win, because that would be crazy talk. But 
um, if they could go to Hampton and win and then beat Northeastern at home, you know, it'd be six, six losses, seven losses for the season. Um, I'd say um, both Towson and Wilmington, Wilmington in particular would be in some striking distance of that. I would think um, Wilmington probably finishes with six, even if they lose to us, but the door would be open. The door would be open. I think we're pretty firmly in the five seed right now. But at least you'd have a shot if you beat Wilmington. You have, you have no shot. You're, you're locked in the five if you lose. So it's a big game. Um, good to see. Um, hopefully, uh, Jamie or Justin, whoever plays point guard for us, um, come back. And uh, then also, uh, you know, a, a somewhat more rested Amari. I was glad they didn't play another stretch. So good coach. It's not usually something you usually see from Coach Spiker. We've not seen him hold back players, rest guys, pull, back, pull guys early. That's not been his his motive motivation to date. Um it seemed like today he came in with a little bit of a different game plan, and I, I really appreciated that. So that takes us over to the women and a one-in-one week. Anthony, you want to talk to us about um, those two games? Sure. Uh, starting on Friday at home uh, against Charleston, who didn't look good. Uh, Charleston didn't, uh, but I will say they were under undermanned, underpersoned, under womaned um they um had lost their best player who was an preseason all-league pick i think their first game of the regular season uh, to a knee injury for the year so they were starting a lot of uh younger players uh they had three players play the entire game um and just especially defensively it seemed like we were going to the same play over and over again and it kept working (laughs) So I don't know if that's just inexperience, um, but uh, Kylie Lavelle uh, came back with a vengeance, her best offensive game in several months, uh, 28 points, um, you know, and most of it under the basket too. layups, uh, you know, it seemed like she'd been settling for a lot more uh, in, in the mid range or even three point shots uh, in these minutes since she's been back. But um Definitely more underneath. Um, I think our opponent helped a little bit. They they did not seem to be covering it, and it seemed like we were running the same play every time. But uh, she did great. Uh, Kashana, um, not the most in terms of scoring, although not the most is still 21 points, so can't complain too much there. But 11 assists for the double-double, seven rebounds to put her three rebounds shy of a triple-double, which I'm sure would be a career first for her, and I'm not – sure the last time a woman's player for Drexel or even a men's player for that matter had a triple double. Uh, it's probably been a long time if ever. Um, so nice to see that happen, but we took care of business. Uh, Charleston, uh, you know, didn't seem to really be a good match for us. Uh, so that was, that was a pretty fine game. Uh, I, I can't speak much to the game on Super Bowl Sunday against Monmouth. Um, a close loss. I think we played pretty poorly in the first quarter and then slowly chipped away uh, as the game wore on. Um, Kashana led the way with 32. This was another one of those games where there wasn't a ton of help elsewhere, at least in the scoring department. Um, But uh, the new members of the CAA, I have to say, on the women's side, even though it seems not to be the case to the men, the new members of the CAA women's side appear to be good additions, at least so far. Um, Monmouth is good. A&T is looking 
And Hampton. Yeah, and Hampton. That's right. Uh, but uh, yeah, Monmouth, Stony Brook, and 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 A and T, um, you know, seem to be decent additions uh, at least this year. Uh, so, um, you know, it, it's tough to win on the road. Uh, the women are undefeated at home, and and you know, just a game over five hundred on the road. So it, it's uh, it's it's not easy to to win on the road in this league. And and you know, it, it, most of the losses that they have aren't really terrible losses, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to beat teams on the road in this league when Kishana scores half your points and you're scraping with everybody else to, to put some points on the board. I, I will say we lost by four and shot five of 10 from the line, um, in a game on the margins like that, that, that doesn't help. Um, but, um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not overly concerned, uh, at, at the end of the day, um, hopefully bounce back with a, another couple games here, um, coming up. But, uh, I think the, the last two games of the, the season, uh, both at home look like they're going to have a lot of implications for, uh, seeding come the conference tournament. Yeah. I got a chance to see that Monmouth game and, um, I, I thought just poor shot selection early in the game. I thought we were a little loose. Um, you know, uh, it's, you, you saw the change after halftime. Um, much tighter, better passes, better shots, getting to the rim. Um, so, you know, get out in transition, running a lot more. So I feel like this is a familiar refrain, but they, they seem to be a little bit better when they were running. Um, you know, it was, it was good to see the comeback. I give Monmouth a lot of credit. They they hit, I think, almost 15% from three um, and, and take, I think, 17 threes. I mean, it wasn't like nothing. Um and they had an answer. They had an answer every time we, we thought we were closing it up. They they had they had the answer. So um, that's what good teams do. They they impressed me. Um, I, I got to give them some credit. Um, we we fought hard. I thought in a lot of circumstances they would have come all the way back. Uh, Monmouth was good enough to, to hold us off. Um, still a chink in the armor, and, and you, you want to see, you know, uh, the teams had some tough ones on the road. It's not been a great road team uh, this year, which, which always makes me worry a little bit. Um, Three of the last five at home, but three good good games. Northeastern, William Mary, NCA and T of the three home home games that we have are all over five hundred. They're all competitive in the league. So uh, with the men having UNCW, and then a game I could see them sleeping on Northeastern big time after the way we played them earlier this year. Uh, I think there's five home games off of the deck, and the deck needs to be a fortress. It needs to be a fortress. We have to hold serve. It's time to get to rally the troops um, because um, if you can make it that tough of a place to play. You know, we haven't won in Towson in Spikers um, uh, seven years here at Drexel. We just beat them without a point guard at home. You know, when the DAC is a fortress, when the DAC is going, uh, it's a meaningful thing. And um, I don't think we were that great, to your point, Anthony, in that game, but it was still a, a decent enough environment, even without the students. But with them, we're going to be, uh, it's going to be tough to walk in there and win. This is going to be, we're getting close to that point where we're going to be a, one of those places where teams don't want to go. And that would be really, really nice. Um. So yeah, tough, tough remaining schedule left for the ladies. William and Mary, as predicted, um, gets to uh, now if much more in the top half than I thought. But they've got a tough schedule too. They'll lose a couple games yet, yet, uh, but they're in the mix along with A and T, um, Stony Brook, us. Uh, but right now, Drexel's a game clear of everybody, and and two clear of Stony Brook, which is important uh, just because they have the tiebreaker. So. They control their own destiny, and they've got the best player in the conference. I don't mind sitting in that seat. Do you? No, not at all. 
Um, I mean, a little bit of something on Monmouth. I mean, when you have a player whose last name is Vanderhoop, how can you lose? I was laughing. I was laughing all game long. <laughs> is it even possible to lose when, when you have somebody with that name? What does that translate to? Maker of hoops. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but no, Dan, I agree with you. I agree with you. We're, we're, we're a game clear of everybody, and we have the best player in the conference. So uh, I, I, I'm still confident. I guess I have a question for you guys because you guys a lot again. You guys watch uh, and follow the women's program a lot better than I do. With our women's team being so one-dimensional sometimes in games, like the one with Monmouth, and I don't think that's the first time, and probably won't be the last. Do you think we have uh, the firepower and the capability to make a splash if we if we do get into the dance? Or do you think uh, that kind of limits our ability to really do too much there? Kishana, again, superhuman. There's no two ways about it, what she's doing this year. But when the rest of your team can't even crack double digits some nights, or anybody on the team can't even crack double digits, it's kind of gives, uh, I don't know, how, how confident do you guys feel going into a potential offseason, you know, post-CAA tournament schedule, if you're that lucky, of course. I would say that, you know, anything can happen uh, when you have a player like Kashana, for example, yesterday against Mammoth, she scored 32 points on 15 of 31 shooting. It, it's it's stupid. It's stupid. It doesn't make any sense that she shoots just a tick under 50 percent on that volume seemingly every single game. Uh, and the only times that it's not, it's games when we're we just outclass the opponent and other players contribute. So she doesn't need to. But but otherwise, uh, you know, it, you know. In fact, the Charleston game, she actually had kind of a rough night shooting the ball. The, the, her shots weren't falling. She finished six of eighteen. But uh, I mean, when you have a player like that, um, I think you have a shot. I think it's a situation where the stars kind of need to align. Uh, if we are to make the tournament, it's likely going to be as a thirteen seed somewhere around there. You'd be playing a. I guess at that point you'd be playing a four, six, yeah. four, four seed. Sorry. Yeah. Four seed. Um, so you're talking about a team that's ranked. That's probably from a power five conference. That's going to be bigger. Um, you're going to need a bad shooting night for them. You're going to need them to maybe look past you a little bit. You're going to need Kashana to go off and then you're going to need a contribution or two from somebody else, whether that's Kyle Lavelle, whether that's, Chloe Hodges, whether that's somebody just to kind of chip in a little bit and then some timely threes elsewhere. Um, that's what I think you'd need to pull off a 13-4 upset. Yeah, the, the challenge here really to me is just the there's such a bigger gap in the women's game between the top 10 teams, 12 teams, and everybody else. It's much more, um, you know, just it's, it's a numbers thing, but – yeah, it's just much more loaded at the top. So you go in there, and, and it's a 12-5 upset is very common on the men's side um, because there's not that much dispersion, and on the women's side, it's not. Um, so uphill battle for sure. Um, is this team the, – the more fun question for me is, is this team as good as the one that went to the NCAAs out in Albuquerque a, um, a while ago? And, and actually, I might take that team, um, but close – close and that team played pretty well against kansas state i thought they at least made it a game although you knew you knew who the better team was from start to finish you talking about the 2009 team dan 
Sorry, the 2019. Yeah. Gabby with early foul trouble in that game. Gabby with early foul trouble in that game. But that was a good, uh, you know, they, they had Jasmina, they had Camila. I mean, people who have really gone on and, and had international careers and, and the whole thing. So, um, you know, I, I think this is very good. I think season Kachan has had is better than any season we've seen. So I'm not going to doubt them and I'm not going to doubt this coaching staff. They're continuing to develop this roster. I think we're still seeing Kylie kind of get things figured out. Um, and so I'm going to trust Amy right now. I think they're a tough matchup. I think they have a chance to win. But um, a puncher's chance is what I would call it. One other thing that I want to note, and this is this is you know projecting out huge, but it's fun to do anyway. Uh, currently, uh, Denise has the Villanova uh, Wildcats uh, as a top fifteen team, I believe. I think they're ranked fifteenth uh, as of today, uh, and they are a top four seed. Top four seeds in the women's tournament host the first uh, two rounds of the tournament. So Drexel currently in the, the latest ESPN bracketology has Drexel as a 14 seed. Um, but as we've kind of talked about it, if the, if things progress, it's certainly possible that we end up as a 13. Uh, if Villanova ends up somehow as a four and hosting, there's a scenario that exists um, where Drexel might even end up playing Villanova at the pavilion uh, in a four thirteen. It's theoretically possible. I do know that in the women's game, I think sometimes they try to, for logistics and, and cost, try to keep travel down at sometimes. I don't know. It, it's it's a pipe dream. I doubt it would happen. Stars would need to align all over the place, but that would be quite the quite the story and quite the the moment. That's what I was told in 2009, Anthony. And somehow I ended up <laughs> on a plane with Eric Zilmer on an intercom. So, you know, let's just say it didn't work out for me once. Um but yeah, it would be uh, it would be great, and and they do hypothetically keep budget in mind and travel in mind with those on the limit side. Hypothetically, talking about Doctor Zilmer, talking about Doctor Zilmer. Do, do we have to? <laughs> Only to kind of troll, I guess, a little bit, a little bit of trolling. He was quoted, I think, this week uh, uh, on something about Eagles bandwagon fans and how being bandwagon fans is a good thing or something. I don't understand how he. Why, why, why is the Philly Inquirer calling him for a quote? He's a doctor of psychology. <laughs> Aren't there more doctors of psychology? Is there only one in Philadelphia is my question. Only one that's an athletic director for way longer than he should have been. <laughs> he, he just, he's got some time. He just sat outside the Inquirer office, which is, which is intriguing and tough for him because they moved this week. But uh, he just sat outside the Inquirer office and, and tried to catch him as they walked by. I was just in the neighborhood, guys. If you need a quote. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, it's interesting that he would be one to speak about bandwagon fans uh, or fans at all. I don't know that he would have any familiarity with the subject, um, but here we are. So I appreciate the uh, the departure from the script early on, um, just to get a little more Z in my heart. I um, and thanks for reminding me about the Super Bowl, Leon. I appreciate that. We, we've done a good job of not talking about that, um, but Leon's already started us here. Leon has already started us on our next segment. Leon just gave us his ugly from the good, the bad, and the ugly. Leon, you want to get your other two out there? Sure. I, I'm glad I'm going first because I think the good has to be Yame. I'd imagine that's probably the good for a lot of people this week. You know, it, it's been great to see a player that can create his own shot, even though sometimes it seems a little maybe not fully thought out. And he goes out there, but I, it's still nice to see somebody take the initiative, which I think sometimes is a struggle where we just end up passing the ball for way too long and 
not giving Omari enough time to do much underneath. So I'll, I'll go with Yami for the good. The bad, I guess, I, I feel bad. You know, it's not really a bad as much as I feel bad, I guess, about the injuries we've we had, especially for Jamie Bergens. So I think he was just kind of developing into that player with a little bit of an edge, uh, a little bit of that defensive uh, kind of shutdown play that he could do. So I was really enjoying his style of play, especially when he got some minutes with Justin. So the bad would probably be the fact that he might be out for the season. So all right, um, Bill of the bad attitude. You want to? You want just? You, you can just give us bad and ugly if you want. You don't have to give it good if you don't want to. No, I mean the, the good is that we're, I mean two and three in these games. I mean I, uh, I, I can't say that we would have been zero and three because we played Delaware. So we're definitely going to be at least one and three. Um, but two and three. I mean that, that that's a win here. I mean I. Especially down two point guards, and that's either the bad or the ugly. I'm not sure. Is just being down two point guards. Maybe it's both. Um, to somehow get a win against Townsend, uh, Townsend was really impressive. Um, and just getting even a win against a depleted Delaware team, it's it's always nice to get a win uh, against those guys. So the two and three is really good um, coming out of this uh, out of this stretch. Um, and hopefully, we'll just get Justin Moore back. Um, I'll put bad as uh, I'll put ugly as losing the two point guards and bad as Amari's turnovers. He needs to just turn the ball over less. He's killing me with some of these passes. I know he's a good passer, but he's trying to do so- too much sometimes. And sometimes the passes are just errant. And then you know he, I don't know. He just doesn't look like he has his head in the game sometimes. Um, he's been killing it defensively. The blocks. I mean, he's, he's winning games with the blocks, but. I mean, offensively, I'd like to see him just be more dominant and keep the turnovers to a minimum. All right, Anthony, you're up. All right. Uh, hard to go with anyone but Yame for the good. Um, but in the interest of just changing it up, um, I'm going to go Mara Hendrickson. 17 assists across the two games uh, this week. Nine against Charleston and eight against uh, Monmouth with only two turnovers, both against Monmouth. Uh, a 17 to two assist to turnover ratio across two games is is pretty damn good. Um, for the bad, I'm gonna go with Delaware because they suck. Um, I thought I was looking in the mirror for a second. They were 0 for whatever from three during that game on Wednesday until they finally hit a couple late when we tried to give the game away despite ourselves. Uh, but um, yeah, they they looked real bad. Uh, you know. Drexel on the road and and they made us look like we were competent on the road. So uh, it's quite the power to undo Zach Spiker on the road. So uh, they get the bad. And then for me, the ugly has to be end of half, end of game, Amari Williams, three point shots, because I'm going to have an aneurysm with Amari, Amari Williams shooting three-point shots at the end of the half. I mean, it's happened like four games in a row now where he's like ended the first half with, with, with a three-point shot. What the hell? Stop doing it. That's ugly. The last two seasons, we were 8-8 eight and eight on the road, 6-5 and five at home. Just saying. Just saying. Those last two years worth of, worth of wins and losses, it's about the same home and road. I agree to an extent with the road argument. I'm just saying. I, I think we, we, we over, overachieve in that, in that category at times. Did you say the last two seasons, Dan? Yeah, the last two seasons uh, in conference play. Well, one of those seasons, there were no fans. Have you been to a Northeastern road game? Well, that's also true. All the seasons, there are no fans. So, um, 
you know, it's it's a CA. To be honest with you, I mean, yeah, we were the worst as far as how fast attendance dropped, but a lot of other schools are also having that issue. Um, I'm happy we didn't go to Charleston this year, I'll say that. But I do think actually a road crowd would actually, like a big crowd, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for this team. Um, they need to get psyched up. They need to get mentally into the game sometimes. Um, go to Elon, empty gym, mid-afternoon. That's that's a tough place to play. Um, all right. My good, my good, though. It's um, went way off base there. My good was just this. Um, kind of Bill had it. It was a two-in-one week. It wasn't just a two-in-one week to me. It was it was a two-in-one week where we were surprised to be two-in-one. Like most people going in would have said one and two. One and two and possibly 0-3. Oh right? You go on the road to Delaware. You've got one of the top three teams of the conference at home, and then you go on the road to Hofstra. Even with your point guards healthy, I think you're saying one and two. Um, and, and you'd be happy with it. So two and one is a positive surprise. Two and one with all the injuries is a really positive surprise. This is a good time of year to be surprising to the positive side. And I think it's the first week all season where we can say we surprised on the positive side. Realistically, if you look back at the play, who we've beaten, when we've beaten them this year, there hasn't been a lot of games where we've had surprise wins. You know, so really good time of year, mid February, to be finding some new stuff, to be to be surprising some teams, to be playing better, better basketball. I thought they didn't play terribly. Uh, versus my expectations. Expectations is key. But they didn't play terribly uh, at Hofstra today, given the fact that they didn't have a point guard. So I'm, I'm feeling some optimism here. So they're definitely about to drop an elbow on my head, I'm sure, from um, the CNCW game on Thursday and then lose at Hampton and then I can get off this horse. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm all positive right now on, on um, where the men seem to be going. And I appreciate um, the level of effort and the level of intensity I've seen from the team this week. I think it's been really cool. Um, get get Justin back, get Justin back, get Yame off the ball, and and let's see what they do with that. I um, I like that the coaches were made uncomfortable because I think good things happen. Um, my bad is that first half for the women at Monmouth. I just they were they were out of control. They weren't themselves a little bit. Uh, Monmouth punished and made them pay for it. That, that's an easy bad. Uh, my ugly is probably um, we'll talk about the flow sports deal next week. But my ugly is probably the fact that the game that's on we're wrapping up right now in conference play, which is like Elon uh, Hampton, I think, is the national TV game for the CAA today. Um, I know Tommy had some things to say about that on the broadcast when we talked to them, but that I, I don't care what rules, I don't care who you're trying to get in the air, that can't be a national TV game for this league. Not on a 9 o'clock primetime slot. This isn't the 5 o'clock Sunday during the holidays. So I mean, it's just... Oof, oof. To their credit, they have 12 wins total. Listen, if, if you look at them just for the last uh, two weeks, those are, that's two pretty good teams facing off against each other. If you just look at a two-week snippet of the season, um, maybe they're getting hot at the right time, too. Maybe everybody's, everybody everybody says Charleston and and uh, Towson's going to get hot at the right time. That would be for a crazy time in D.C. Uh, but, yeah, that'll be my ugly. So that will take us out, gents. Um, just want to preview a little bit next week, uh, provided – Nothing else. We don't lose all of our centers or something. We'll talk about that. But let's just, assuming that doesn't happen, and assuming we've had a, a relatively normal week, we'll talk about this flow deal a little bit because I'm anxious to do it. Um, we'll, we'll go around the league in a little bit more detail because um, we'll start looking at all CAA teams. It'll be February 20th. We'll be just two weeks out to the tournament at that point. All, all CAA teams, where we're on the league, a lot of fun stuff to talk about there. Um, who who in Drexel gets considered? That's going to be interesting. Obviously, Amari, but is anybody else worthy of nomination and then uh 
we'll get a NASCAR. You heard that correct. NASCAR podcast up on the air, which I'm excited about. So um, for those of you who don't know, I think I've dropped this on the pod once because I'm very proud of it. But um, my uh, my roommate, my uh, senior year at school, Jesse Zanellini, is a uh, member of the Trackhouse Racing Team, which is an upstart program that ended up making his NASCAR's Final Four last year. So he was uh, he's on the crew there working as an engineer. Um, Drexel Engineering coming through, and he was nice enough to sit down with Nate and I around the New Year's and, and kind of go over what his team did last year that made them this kind of amazing surge. He talks to Drexel Hoops, talks a little bit about everything, but we had fun. It was also during the um, the period of the year that I recorded most of our advertisements that I hope you're enjoying. I was running on zero sleep and basically didn't know where I was at any one time, so um, I have no idea what happened on that podcast. <laughs> I'm excited to listen to it too. Um, <laughs> I might as well have not been there. So it'll be a great time. I'm, I'm sure it'll be a fun listen, if nothing else. So I uh, highly encourage everybody to, to get some Drexel pride in their sleeves with the Daytona 500 kicking off this weekend. Um, that'll be it for us tonight. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Leon, for joining. And everybody have a great week. Let's see you with the DAC for UNCW on Thursday. Biggest game of the year.